You know, I, I was thinking, um, you know, I travel quite a bit and, and, you know, so Lisa and I keep contact through text, email, phone, whatever, but whenever I'm gone, it's like I, I count down the hours, the days to where I can get home again. Um, because it's like, why? Well, it, it's just, it's just not the same, you know, calling on the phone or emailing or, or whatever. We've even got the iChat thing now going, so you kind of see her through the, the screen, but, uh, but there's nothing like I, I, I count down like, oh, I can't wait to see her. Can't wait to see her. Can't wait to see her. And then when I see her face, it's just every time it's like, oh, okay, everything's cool. You guys, that's what we do when we're in love with someone, right? You can't wait to see their face. And that's what these songs are about. It's about being so in love with Jesus Christ that, you know, this prayer thing's good. You know, reading your word is good. Being led by your spirit is good. But I want you just to come down. I want to see your face. I want that moment. And, and, I, and I feel like sometimes we don't long for that. Like we almost just talk about God as this impersonal being rather than the love of our lives that we love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. And we just can't wait to see his face. I really believe there are many of us that have built such a home for ourselves here on earth that we're not even longing to see the face of Jesus. See, we don't want this to be a religion where it's like, oh, I come to church because it'll teach me some good morals and I'll try to do some good things. No, God has always wanted a passionate love relationship where you're going, gosh, Jesus, you're the love of my life. I can't wait to see your face. And that's why we say, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. But what happens is a lot of times as we're waiting for him to come, we fall in love with so many other things that suddenly we can put off the coming of Christ. That, that many of us don't even want to die today because we've built such a good home for ourselves here on earth. And we've fallen in love with other things just as much as we love Jesus or even more so to where we'd actually be sad to leave the earth and go, with, go be with Jesus. And that's kind of what Paul talks about here in Philippians 3 is this, this whole idea of, man, we should be looking for the resurrection. We should be waiting for this thing if you're in love with Jesus. Because Paul says, look, for me to live is Christ. I'm consumed with him. That's all life is down here. And he goes, and for me to die is gain. Oh, man, when I die, I'm finally going to get to see the one I love. Because that's what you do when you're in love. And we want this always to be about love. You know, this week I have to uh, go to Hawaii. Um, I know, I know. Um, but see, it's funny because you hear that and you think, oh, you know, poor you. It is for me because I'm going without Lisa and I'm just going for like a day and a half. So I just go jump in a building and talk and then leave. It's not like I'm surfing or anything. But, um, but even if I was, I would still miss her. Um, but it's, it's that whole idea of, you know, that's not, it's not home to me over there. You know, and, and, and there ought to be this craving for heaven, realizing this isn't my home down here. It's just, I just don't belong down here. And actually, before we get in the passage, I, I want to pray for a friend of mine. I actually, I just met him last week. In fact, he drove down from Sacramento just for an hour just to meet with me and then drive back um, just to ask for prayer. Um, he's a pastor from a, a, an area called Orissa. In India, and if you guys remember, a few months ago, I shared about the violence out there in Orissa and how some radical Hindus were burning down churches and killing Christians, and so the Christians have fled. And there's like fifty thousand Christians that are homeless now. 
because they're just terrified. This guy that I met with, Pastor, he, uh, he planted 32 churches in Orissa, and all of them are burned to the ground. And he says, we don't know what to do, you know, like we get together and go, gosh, can, should we even try to worship? Because they'll just, we have threats, they'll just kill us. So do we worship anyways? Do we gather anyways and just let them kill us? Or do we do it secret? You know, there's just all these thoughts going through his head. All his churches are burned down. He's, he's had over 50 family members killed in the last couple of months. And they're after him. And they're ready to, they're ready to kill him. And they're after him. And he's coming back on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, there's that side of me that goes, well, why don't you just stay here? You know, you'd be safe in Simi Valley. You, uh, you know, no one's trying to kill you here. We'll even protect you. We'll even have a car there protecting you. And we'll get, you know, the, whatever family's left, bring it. And he's like, no, it's, he's not going to stay here. You know, it's this mission because he's looking to the resurrection. He's going, you know, whatever I suffer here on earth, it's going to be worth it because I'm looking towards the end. But I did tell him that I would pray for him and uh, did email him yesterday and said, you know, I'm going to have the whole church pray for you um, because that's, this is the real thing. You know what I mean? Let's pray for him. Father, all of us as one right now lift up Pastor Nyack to you. As he heads back on Wednesday, would you give him a courage, a peace, a confidence, a boldness, a love, a forgiveness, a joy? Just fill him with your spirit. Give him words to say. God, we don't, we don't have a clue type of advice to give a person like that, Father. Only your spirit can speak to him now through your word, and I just pray that that would happen. But I pray that you do amazing things with the remainder of his life. Thank you for his example, his love for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You, you know, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about suffering, and uh, one of the questions that came back, which is a great question, is, um, is, well, how does that look for us? Because we understand what it is for him. You know, you, you go back and you do your thing, and, and, uh, and, and you're going to suffer just for calling yourself a Christian. But here, what does suffering look like for us in Simi Valley? And, and really, the truth is, is, is I didn't want us to get on this kick of, I'm going to pursue suffering. I'm just saying, don't avoid it. Uh, and the truth is, is if you pursue your mission, you will suffer. You, you will suffer if you pursue your mission. I mean, we're, we're here to tell people about Jesus Christ. If you actually do that, tell people about Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer. You'll suffer the rejection. Most of the people you talk to Jesus about are going to reject your message. They're going to reject you. Now, you can avoid that suffering. Just don't tell anyone about Jesus. And in the same way, you know, if we really uh, share our possessions with each other like we should, well, you're going to suffer um, your stuff getting ruined. You're going to suffer a, a lower standard of living than you could have. If, if you really live and love the way that Jesus calls us to love, if you really love the way Jesus did, you'll suffer. 
The only way we avoid suffering is when we set up boundaries and say, you know what, I'm only going to love people to this extent. Because after that, then I'm going to suffer too much. But, but Jesus, what was his example? You, you suffer all the way to death. You love people. You love, love, love so much even if it kills you. That was his example. But we set up boundaries going, well, I'll give until, you know, I can't make, you know, this payment or that payment because I got to keep this, this, this. So I'll give up to this point and I'll love up until this point, you know, where where it starts affecting me and my feelings and everything. You know, there's there's boundaries we set up. And yet that's not the Christian life. And in the same way, we'll, we'll share our faith only if it's in a safe time, you know, when we think this person's going to accept. As long as we set up boundaries like that, yeah, we'll avoid suffering. I'm saying just pursue the mission. Just, just pursue it all the way. And, and uh, I, I mean, look at, look at Tim's life from last, last week. Uh, what a great example. What an amazing example. I, I, I wasn't here, but I watched the podcast on Wednesday night. And I got weepy watching him because a lot is because I knew him before. You know, when he was in high school here. And it's like, ugh. You know, and... Uh, just to see this man of God, it, it's almost like you almost feel like the proud, even though I'm not his dad or anything, but you're like, man, are you kidding me? What an amazing guy. What an amazing life. He gave it all up for the sake of the gospel. Now he's raising these three little kids out in the jungle or two and one's coming. And, and it's just that whole thought of, man, that's, that's the real thing. But, but even when he was talking, it was interesting because he talked about his flight over to the U.S. Remember that? And... Already it started. See, there's that struggle of coming here to America and setting up the comforts and then getting distracted. And even on the plane ride over here, it's like, oh, here's a movie that'll take my mind off of the mission and everything else. All the comforts are coming because, like, like you see, it's, it's easier in some ways. It's easier in some ways to stay focused when you're on the mission field because he's out there in Papua New Guinea in a hut. You know, him and his, you know, white family and three white kids and and he's building a hut in in, in this jungle going, I don't really belong here. Right. And every morning you wake up going, I don't really fit in here, belong here. Why am I here? Oh, yeah, I'm here for a mission. I'm here to tell people about Jesus Christ. See, but in Simi Valley, you guys didn't wake up this morning going, I don't belong here. You just go, yeah, this is home. This is home. You've set up home, which is the exact thing that God tells us not to do. Is to not make this earth our home. And not to, you know, set down our roots and, 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 and make this our, our home. I mean, our citizenship is supposed to be in heaven. And that's the danger. And, and it's, it's frustrating to me because, okay, here's my struggle is... I really believe that I'm supposed to be here. Like before God, like if I left and went to one of these places, and maybe I'm fooling myself, but in my mind, when I pray about it and I come before God, I believe it would be sinful for me. I don't know if that's too strong of a word, but not following God's call if I personally left Simi Valley right now. Because I believe there's a work that he wants me to do here. Because I, I think of guys like Tim. And I go, well, we're sending out Tim's every year. And so if we don't keep this ministry going, I mean, this multiplies the efforts. If I had left 12 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, well, then 
But this is a, a, like a, a factory where we're producing missionaries and pastors and sending people around the world. Go, go. So I feel like, okay, this, is, this makes sense. It's from a business standpoint or a managerial standpoint. Well, this multiplies the effort with the college and on and on. But I struggle with that because it's so hard for me to wake up believing I'm on a mission down here. You know what I mean? Because I, I know if I were in Africa, I'd wake up and go... I don't belong here. And I kind of feel that way being Chinese in Simi Valley. But, you, you know, it's, it, but it's, it's just more the whole, you, you know what I mean. It's like you just wake up and it's like, oh, my bed. Oh, you know, my kitchen. Oh, my shower. You just on and on and it just becomes my, my, my. And this home thing that Paul speaks against. And I, I don't want to, you know, I pray for that. I, I, I pray for this mission because... Because before you know it, you really don't want to die and be with Jesus. Because this becomes home. And suddenly, I mean, if you are really honest with yourself, are you really in a hurry to see Jesus? Because you're so in love with him. Are you counting down the hours and praying, come Lord Jesus, because I'm so madly in love with you that I can't wait to see your face? Or have you built a home for yourself here? See, Paul, when you read it, Paul's writings, and, and I've been praying for this morning because I feel like this could so easily just go right over our heads because I'm reading his writings going, man, this is so far from, somehow, for, from how some of us live that I don't see how we're going to get this. Because Paul, all he thought about was that final moment. All he thought about was that moment when he would see, he was consumed, he was obsessed with this moment. And yet most of us haven't even thought about that moment all week long. What's it going to feel like when I see Jesus Christ? And his whole life was about preparing for that moment. And yet when's the last time we even thought about that moment? It's weird that we, you know, we'll sing songs trying to get you to think about the resurrection and get you fired up about the resurrection. When that should be all we think about, according to Paul, according to his life. And my job is to get you to live that way and to think that way. Remember, Paul's going, man, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. When I die, it's just going to be more Christ, so give it to me. And then, then the last passage we read, it's just like, yeah, everything else is just a bunch of crap to me. I can't wait for Jesus. I want Jesus because I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so that somehow I may attain to this resurrection from the dead. Somehow, it's just, i got to cross that line, i got to get this thing. It's this resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. So if I've got to suffer, if I do whatever, I don't care. I just want this resurrection. I just want to see his face. And so you have Paul speaking in Philippians 3, verse 12. And Paul makes it clear. And he says, look, not, not that I've already obtained this. He goes, I'm not there yet. Or am I already made perfect? Because I'm not perfect. He goes, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, now some of this... Um, 
wording may be awkward to you. And, and it is to me. I read it and I go, ah, this is weird verbiage. It's just a strange sentence structure. I don't get it. And a lot of it is because of uh, some of the linguistic uh, mindset that, I don't know if that's the way you say it, but uh, it's in the Greek, he's, he's using a lot of imagery that's referring to like the Grecian races, kind of like the Olympics. You know, and that's the picture that he's giving. He's using a lot of analogies and word, words that they would use, that a runner would use. And this idea of you've, you've attained something, but you haven't obtained it really. It's, it's, this, it's this picture of a person running a race, and it's like he won the race. He's going to win the race. Maybe he's just about to break the tape, but he hasn't gotten, you know, to stand on the, the, the podium and get his prize yet. That's the picture that he's using here. And he's saying, so because I'm still in this race, and he's making sure people understand, you know, this, this whole thing about how I haven't obtained this, I'm not perfect yet. The reason why he's saying these things is, is, is there were two heresies that he was uh, addressing back then. If you read Second Timothy, you see that there were actually people during that time that were saying that the resurrection already took place. And Paul's saying, no, it hasn't. It hasn't come yet. I'm waiting for that. I'm striving for that. Then there were also another group of people that he's addressed all through the book of Philippians, the Judaizers. And what they were teaching was, if you obey this, 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 you do these things, you can become perfect here on earth. And Paul's just said, look, I've done all those things. I've done it more than they have. And yet he makes it very clear. He goes, I'm not perfect yet. I'm striving for it, and I can't wait for that moment when I attain perfection. But he goes, in no way have I obtained it. No way has the resurrection come. No way am I perfect. I mean, isn't that part of the reason why we long for the return of Christ is we want to be perfect, right? Aren't you sick of being imperfect? I'm sick of you being imperfect. You know, aren't you sick of... Of this imperfection, like, oh, Jesus, just come, change me. I want, I want that moment when I won't be tempted with anything anymore. I want that moment when I won't fall again, ever, to anything. I want that. And Paul's saying, I'm striving for it. I'm not there yet. So all these guys that are telling you can achieve perfection, he goes, I'm not there. And I've done way more than those guys. And all these people are saying the resurrection already came. He's going, are you kidding me? This is what I dream about. This is what I think about. And, and he uses this, uh, like he uses words like, I press on or I'm straining forward. It's this idea of a person running, you know, looking at that finish line. I mean, does this describe you in your Christian walk right now where imagine you're sprinting in a race and you're just almost to the end. And so everything, you know how you just know, okay, I could win this thing and I got to just go for it at the end, give every ounce of energy and strength. That's, that's what Paul's talking about here. He goes, that's the way I'm running my life right now. That's the way I'm living. I'm striving for this. And I love how he says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind. See, I never ran track, so I'm just kind of pretending up here. I was slow. Okay, but uh, fast now. But... Uh, you know, it's just this whole running thing. You ever see those races where someone looks back and someone passes him? And it's just like, oh, you 
dummy. You just took that one look. And just doing that one thing, you lost the race. That's why I love the Super Bowl. Remember when Larry Fitzgerald caught that ball and he's running for the end zone and his eyes get all big and he's looking at the jumbotron, you know, in front of him and seeing who's behind him because he's not going to turn his head. Because what if he turned his head and that slowed him down? He got tackled and he'd be the biggest loser. But, uh, but no, I just loved his eyes. It's just, they just got so big. Remember that? And he's just running, running, running. And that's this picture Paul's painting here. He goes, man, one thing I do, one thing I do is I don't look behind me. I, I forget what's back there. And I'm just looking at this finish line. I'm just looking at this goal and going, man, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to get distracted. Because what does the Bible teach? Don't you remember the story of Lot and his wife? Remember how God told Lot, I'm going to destroy the city, so start running, start running, and don't look back. And so they're running, they're taking off, God's destroying everything. But then his wife, in her heart, there was something about the city that she still loved, and she just took a glance back, and God destroyed her right then. It's this whole idea of, no, look at the end. Don't look around. Don't look at all these other things that are appealing. You've got to look to the end. And it says, and the New Testament says, remember what happened to Lot's wife. She looked back. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 9. Uh, he says it beautifully. When some people wanted to follow him in Luke chapter 9, he gives the same uh, idea. Luke 9 verse 57 he says this, Jesus is, is talking, he goes, and as they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, someone says to Jesus, I'll follow you, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere, nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's harsh. Some of you guys think I'm harsh. Where do you think I got it? It's Jesus. They're going, come on, Jesus, let me, let me just go bury my dad. He goes, no, let him bury himself. Let someone else bury him. We got more important things to do. Well, let me go say goodbye to those in my house real quick. No. He goes, don't you understand that, that anyone who starts this thing, if you're, you put your hand to the plow and you look back, he goes, I don't want you. I don't want Lot's wife. She started to run, but then there was some appeal back there. She still kind of liked the city. There's something about that. And, and uh, maybe I'll look back just for a little bit. Maybe I can say, and he goes, no, you're not fit for the kingdom. See, that, those passages, man, th think about that. See, here there's so many things I want to look back at. There's so many things around me that don't have to do with the resurrection. There's a lot of things I like here in Simi Valley. There's a lot of things I like in Southern California. There's a lot of things about this home that I'm building for myself that I, I want to look back on. Do I want to give that up? Do I want to give that up? Well, that looks kind of appealing. Paul goes, man, I can't do that. I've got to keep looking forward. Because the moment I look back, I'm going to lose this race. Because I'm like a runner. All I think about is that finish line. All I think about is, man, one moment I'm going to see Jesus and I'm going to spend my life preparing for that moment. I want to cross that line. I want to get my reward. 
It's all about that. He goes, I don't look behind me, I look forward. I forget the one thing I do, I forget what's behind me. And I'm just looking to the end. I mean, how many of us really think that way? How many of us live that way? Looking to the end. You know what's interesting to me? This whole thing about forgetting what's behind and pressing on toward what's ahead. What does every counselor tell you to do? Look back. Let's go back to your past. What happened a few years ago? Oh, yeah? Well, then what happened when you were an adolescent? Hmm. Let's talk about your early childhood. What, what happened there? Hmm. Maybe some things in the womb. What happens? Was there distress? Did your mom have any? We're always going back, looking back. And Paul says, one thing I do, I forget what's back there. And I look forward. Is it true that there are certain things I do because of my past? Yeah. But there's a lot more that I do because of my future. You know, I do things. And we gotta, we got to focus on this, you guys. The world's going to keep making you look at your past, your past, your past. And we've got to keep looking at the future. You look at your past, you're going to get depressed. And you're going to get stuck in your past. You look to your future and go, man, what is that moment going to be like? See, my actions, a lot of the things I do is because I'm thinking about my future. And I'm thinking about that moment when I see Jesus because I realize that everything I do is going to bring either reward or regret. It really is. I've got an extra thousand bucks. Okay, on that day, that future, when I see Jesus, what is going to bring reward and what's going to bring regret? I I could buy a lot of fun things for myself with that thousand bucks, but on that day, Paul's saying, I'm just looking at that day, going on that day, maybe I just give it to the poor, because on that day, I'll be rewarded for it, versus, yeah, I mean, we've all bought things we regret, right? You go, oh, that was a waste of money, that's a waste of money, that's a waste of money. Think about what we're going to say at the end. When we stand before God, are you going to regret the car you drove, regret the house you lived in, regret the clothes you wore, regret, you know, just just everything? What are you going to regret? How about your time and how you spent it? Are you going to to go, oh, I'm so glad I watched 7,000 movies. Are you going to regret, wow, I wasted all of that time down. It's it's, it's about the future. Paul's going, man, what am I going to look forward to at the end? I'm going to bring an illustration that this is like the first illustration I did. It was 20 years ago, but I can't think of a better way to to explain it. Um, I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a, remember remember computer paper when uh, it was all stuck together? And it had the holes on the side that you had to peel off. Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll. And some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me. But because uh, that was the best, you know. And, um, and it never worked right because they're rolling things. But, uh, but I, I, had, I remember being a youth pastor and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room. And, uh, but I'm going to use a rope now because I can't find that computer paper. Um, imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever okay just imagination pretend it goes around the world a few times it doesn't it ends at the rock but uh let's just imagine this thing goes on forever now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence you just exist forever you see this red part this would represent your time on earth You've got a few short years here on earth. And then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. 
This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, I'm going to get to travel. Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? about this what about this what about what about all this stuff that's just it's crazy to me because because the bible teaches that what i do during this little red part determines how i'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever and and so why would i spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible enjoying myself as much as i can Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because that's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now. Just enjoy right now. Not even knowing If you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb, it doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying down here. It's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's it's, it's this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining. He goes, I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out. And I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges. And he's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me. Because I'm going to pass that line well. And then he says, brothers, join in imitating me. He goes, imitate me. Do what I'm doing right now. Keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on what? On those who walk. Not those who talk. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame and with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. See, Paul says, imitate me. He says, imitate me. He goes, so imitate me. See, see how I'm living? See how I'm striving for this? See, I'm not distracted by all these things? 
He goes, imitate me. You know, my favorite part of Tim's message last weekend was when he said, follow me and Courtney and our example as we follow Jesus Christ. I thought, wow, that's awesome. Have you ever heard anyone say that to you? Follow me. Live like I do as I follow Jesus. See, very few people have the right to say something like that. And that's why they don't say it. You know, it was almost shocking when Tim said it. I was like, then I thought, he's absolutely right. He's lived it out, man. He's not thinking about his future here on earth. He's not thinking about the red part. He's thinking about crossing that line. And I go, yep, you know what? The Bible says, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Keep your eyes on Tim Shanter. Think of his life. Keep your eyes on Pastor Nyack, whom we prayed for. He's worth following. See, but what he says is that basically there's two types of professing believers, and it's true right now. There are two types of professing believers in this room. Two types of professing believers. Those who are worthy of following and those who are not. I mean, most of you talk and profess to be believers, but by your life, he's talking about how a person walks. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example. Remember, Paul says, you remember how he even talked about Timothy a few weeks ago? Timothy and Epaphroditus. He says to Timothy, he goes, I don't have anyone like him. He goes, everyone else is about themselves. Timothy really cares about people, really cares about the mission. Epaphroditus is the same way. I mean, he risked his life for this thing. He goes, but, but you notice how he picked out like two people. And he goes, I don't have anyone else like Timothy. He goes, everyone's all into themselves. And even back then, he says, I can only name a couple of guys that I say walk like them and keep your eyes like them. He goes, and and follow me. He goes, I'm doing the same thing. I'm not living for this world. I'm not making a home for myself here. But here's what killed me. He says, uh, for many of whom I've often told you, and I now tell you even with tears, Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says many. And he's talking about people that attend church. Many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Don't miss this. Many walk. That's how, See, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands and say, hey, how many of you... Are enemies of Jesus Christ this morning. You know, notice how Paul, uh, Todd didn't do that in the beginning. Hey, how many of you guys are enemies of Jesus? Oh, good, good, I see that hand. No one's going to admit it. No one's even going to say it. But he says, many walk. You can look at their actions and go, he'll say that he's a Christian all day long. She'll say she's a believer and follower. But look at her actions. Look how she walks. She walks as an enemy of Christ. And he's saying, he goes, man, I'm not happy about this. He goes, I'm saying this right now. I've said it many times. He goes, and I'm saying it and I'm crying at the same time. He goes, I'm crying as I say this to you that many of you guys are are walking like enemies of the cross. You talk like it, but you, you're, you're walking like enemies of the cross. And in the reason why he's crying is because he says their end is destruction. Wait, but they're professing believers, but they said they followed Jesus, but they prayed a prayer. I don't care. The way they walk shows me that what they said they didn't really mean. 
They're walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. And, he, and he's crying. He's going, man, their end is destruction. This, this, this makes me so sad. You know what destruction means? He's talking about hell. He, he, they think that they're going to cross this line and get real. He goes, no. Look at their lives. Their end is destruction. He goes, and it's killing me. He, he says, by their walk, and he explains them. He says, their God, their God isn't Jesus. Their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. What does he mean by that? It's their hunger, what they hunger for. Whatever I want, I'm going to get. I want to eat that, I'm going to eat that. I want to buy that. I'm going to buy it. He goes, God's not your God. You don't, you don't buy the things that God wants you to buy. You don't say the things that God wants you to say. You just say the things you want to say. Because you're your own God. Your God's your appetite, what you hunger for. So if you desire that, you're going to get it. And you'll figure out a way to justify it biblically. But you know you're not praying before the decisions and going, God, should I do this? Should I pursue her? Should I pursue this relationship? Should I watch that movie? Should I eat this? Should I buy this? Because no, you just do what you want. Your God, your God is not Jesus Christ. Your God is your belly. It's your appetite, whatever you desire. You're your own God. You walk. Like an enemy of the cross. See, the cross was all about denial. The cross was all about suffering. The cross was, well, this is what the Father has set for me to do, so I'm going to do it. It's not really what I'm hungering for right now, longing for, but you know what? So those who just go with their appetite, they're just, they're God's their stomach. He goes, you know what? They're, they're glory, they glory in their shame. They show off things that they should be ashamed of. We can do that. We're so proud of some possession we have. You should be ashamed of that. They just want to glory in these things. Oh, look at this you know, surgery I had done. Look at how I look. You're proud of that? You should be ashamed of that. You're, you're glorying in things that you should be ashamed of because you're, you're looking at the things of the earth and you're proud of it? He says, because you know what? You're setting your minds on earthly things. Your mind is set on earthly things. It's like I'm, you're just thinking about the things of the world and you're showing off the things of the world that, you know, to everyone else. You, know, you should be ashamed of that. Because you're, you're showing that who your God really is. It's you. Whatever you want to do, you're going to do. He said, well, God wants me to be happy. God would want this. God would want you to just follow him. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow. That's what I read. God would want you to so long for him and that finish line and be hungering for him and not thinking about the things of the earth. The enemies of the cross. I hate that phrase. Who wants to be called an enemy of the cross? But we walk as enemies of the cross when we live for this life and our minds are set on earthly things. He goes, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior. What do we wait for? A savior. What do we wait for? We wait for Jesus. And so we're going, man, life really stinks right now. But oh, when I see Jesus, it's going to be awesome. You know, yeah, I, I, I've let go of a lot of things and I've suffered a lot of things. But man, when I see Jesus, I'm living for that moment. And I can't wait for my Savior. I can't wait to leave. See, I'm in love with a person. And that person happens to be in heaven right now. And I can't wait to see his face and be with him. I'm not. See, see that's, there's such a big distinction. There are those who love it down here. And, and there are those who are going nuts because they love Jesus so much. 
and can't wait to be with him. And the question is, is how do you walk? I'm not asking how you talk, because honestly, I could care less anymore. I've been lied to so many times, and so many people come to church for years and years and years, and it isn't until way down the road you realize who they really were. So I I don't care, you know, because you can hide whatever. I doubt very few of you would say that you're an enemy of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying by your lifestyle. Because all you think about is things on earth or is your citizenship in heaven. I was praying this morning and I go, God, I want to. I want to be like Paul and I want I want you to see my heart in this thing. I'm not. I'm not trying to be like judgmental or self-righteous because I'm struggling with this stuff myself. And I was praying, I go, God, I want to really be sad like Paul was sad. I want to look at you. And I even prayed for this. I go, God, as I look around the room, can you give me a love for the people? You know, like that it's not a sermon, it's not a show, but... I see faces, I see eyes, I see relationships, I see memories, times where we hung out and everything else. And to be saddened for you who still live for the things of this earth. Even though you call yourself Christian, you can remember the moment when you got baptized or whatever else, but... How does your life show it, you know? I, 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 I'm scared of this trap down here, you know what I mean? I'm scared of the distractions and looking around and, and begging God, help me stay focused on that finish line and, and help me help these people that I care about stay focused on the finish line for eternity because this little red part's going to be over before you know it. Before you know it, I think of Sandra. You know, were you guys married how long? 35 years? She crossed the line, man. She's there. You know, she suffered through it. Everything else, you know, service a couple days ago in this room. And it was that guy we baptized a couple weeks ago. Remember, I don't, some of you guys were there. He had a tumor in his brain. Big guy. It took like four of us because he didn't want to, he didn't want to be sprinkled in his wheelchair. He goes, man... If I'm going to do this, I'm going all the way. And can you guys pick me up and get me in there? Because, you know, it's a big guy, like 300 pounds. And so so we got him in there because he's like, no, I'm not going to end this thing. Just kind of, you know, tiptoeing in. It's, it's all or nothing. I got to do a service a couple of days ago. And it's like, wow, he crossed that line. That, that The red part's over. Now it's forever. What did, what did you do with your life? You guys, I'm telling you. You're going to regret so much of this self-centeredness and, and stuff. I'm going to. And we've got to get our eyes off of this stuff. And we've got to try to stop competing with the world and looking like the world. Because really, I mean, Paul's life was so different. And he looked like an absolute fool, an absolute moron, like what Todd was saying in the beginning. Paul lived that out. Tim Chantier looks like an idiot. Taking his family out of here and moving him to the jungle. That's stupid. But the moment he sees Jesus, 
Who's going to look stupid? That's what I'm living for. Who's going to look stupid on the day when we see Jesus? And I think a lot of us will. And I don't want that. I don't want that. I just don't care about anything anymore. I put in your bulletins a a little uh, on the sermon notes. I usually don't even look at these, but I I wanted something on there today. Where it says um, sermon-based questions, live for eternity. I just put two questions on there. And if you have a pen, that would be great to actually fill this out because I'm going to give you like a minute or so. But just answer these two questions. First question, what have you done this past week that matters in light of eternity? Does that make sense? Like what did you do during this last week that you'll actually see the results of here? Okay? What did you do this week where you'll see the results here that matters in light of eternity? And then the other question is, what have you done this past week that will not be remembered when you reach eternity? What stuff did you do this week that's just going to end right here and it's all going to burn? It's just, it's just pointless. See, because there's things you do every day that you'll see the results of here. And there's other things that it ended. You did it. You, you, you spent the day. You spent the time. You spent the money. You spent the energy. But you're not going to see any results of that in heaven. And just for you to evaluate your life. And so just take a minute or so and... And just start filling that out. And, and if anyone needs prayer this morning, I, I know this is heavy. And I think it's, it's, maybe you're just blown away like, wow, this is so much. Because I was always taught, man, just love your family. And that's a Christian thing to do. And if you got some time, then serve in the church a little bit. And if you got a little le- leftover money, throw it in the plate. Now Jesus says, no, everything. You just lose your whole life and you'll find it. But you try to save it. You're going to lose it. Maybe some of you are saying today, you know what? I want to follow this Jesus. I'm ready to give it all up. I'll trade in my old life. I'm not trying to add Jesus to my life. I want this whole new life where I live for the end. And if that's you and you want to get baptized today, man, come forward during this time. Come forward during the worship. Um, And maybe you just need some prayer or whatever. There'll be people over here by the prayer room to pray with you. But the rest of you, just take a minute right now and just, just fill that out.